this morning. I'm thankful that Pastor Daryl gave us the opportunity to share with you. It's very meaningful to me. I grew up here, so I will do my best to communicate what God's done in my life and hope that, you know, it can impact you in some way because we're all in this together, you know. We all have the same threads of our story as God's working in all of his people. Um, So life verses. I grew up in the church I'm the perfect candidate to have a life verse because I know all the Christian lingo and the Christian culture and I went to Christian college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when Pastor Darrell was like, okay, you know, the summer series is going to be life verses. He had all the staff in staff meeting, raise your hand and tell me what your life verse is. And I didn't raise my hand. (laughs) And, you know, it's not because there's not verses that aren't meaningful. I know we all have many scriptures that are meaningful to us. But I've never gone through the process of really taking a step back and thinking, all right, what is really the verse that I go to a lot that really kind of guides and steers my path when I need to kind of get reset? So this morning, if you have been listening to all of our individual life verses over the past few weeks and you've been thinking like, golly, like I don't have a life verse. I'm not a very good Christian. Like I don't know. Maybe God doesn't love me. Like maybe I don't read my Bible enough. I mean, I was there like a month ago (laughs) and I'm on staff here. So this is how I kind of figured out what I think my life verse is. Um, This is a passage of scripture that really meant a lot to me in a time in my life a few years ago when I was really going through a hard time personally and I didn't know what was, like which way was up and which way was down and where I was supposed to go or what I was supposed to do. And this passage was like so meaningful to me. It was like the only thing I wanted to read like over and over and over and over again. And still to this day, if there's ever a day where it's like, you know, like I don't really know what I want to study right now. Like I don't really hear the Lord speaking to me. I don't really know what to pray. I don't really know which way to go. This is always a starting point for me. So I think that's an easy definition of what a life verse would be. Where do you go personally in your personal prayer and your personal study when you don't kind of know where to start? I think whatever that Bible verse or passage of scripture is to you is what you could claim is your life first. And it doesn't have to be just yours. I will share this with all of you. You could all have this as your life first if you want to. Um, and I actually really had a hard time picking a verse, so I picked a whole chapter. <laughs> and I'm going to read the whole chapter to you guys and then kind of boil it down to what I think uh, my actual life verse is at the end. So the chapter you can turn to is Psalm 139 in your Bibles, and I'll read that for you in just a moment. But I want to give you a little bit of history of where I'm coming from um, You know, it says in the Bible that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I think we all have a story to share because God's working in all of our lives. We're all his children. And when I was younger, I used to think, I don't have a testimony. I've never really been through anything. Like, I don't really know what to say. But the older that you get, the more you kind of pick up some dirt along the way, you know. So we all, none of us are clean except for the grace of God in our lives. And so whatever you've gone through to realize that you're only clean because of the grace of God, that's your testimony. So for me, you know, I've had a great life. I knock on wood. I've actually said before, nothing really bad has ever happened to me. And I really mean that not in a bragging way, but just I know that the Lord's hand has been on my life from the moment I've been born because I've been blessed with good godly parents. I've been raised in a good godly church that preaches the word of God. I've had good friends. Um, So, you know, there's not much that I've been able to complain about. Um, But when I graduated from college, I went to college here. And I think for... People that, none none of the high schoolers are in here, I think they went upstairs. So if any of you guys have kids in high school or college, 
it's really interesting because you're kind of part of the system. Like you're not really making a lot of your own life decisions when you're in high school and college. You think you are maybe, but you're really not. And so, you know, I went to high school, was good at that, graduated, went to college, was good at that, whatever. The day I graduated from college was like the first moment in my life. I remember after my graduation party ended, I went home to the house I was living in and I sat on my couch and was like, all right, not sure what I'm going to do now <laughs> because you like you strive and you strive and you strive when you're in school and it's like there's always something in front of you to do next, to do next, to do next and everything's kind of laid out for you. You don't have to do a lot of thinking in a way because you're kind of being told what your next goal is. So that was the first moment in my life where I kind of took a step back and was like, yeah, all right, well, 22, not sure what's going to happen the rest of my life, but all right. So that kind of sent me, not into a tailspin, but it just kind of made me really examine my life in a way that I'd never had before and examine my faith in a way that I never had before, which I think is a really important thing for any human to do as a developing Christian. I'm not saying that the faith that I had when I was younger was worthless because it, was, it wasn't. It was just a child's faith, you know? So it was my process of questioning all the things I'd been taught, all the things that I've learned and kind of re-examining what it all meant and if I like what it really meant for me and what I was going to get out of it. And so in this time in my life, I really was struggling with this question, like basically the whole package of who am I? What am I supposed to do? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What am I, like, again, what am I supposed to do? That was the big thing. And I would talk to, you know, my friends and my cousins that I've been blessed with. You know, I have a handful of people that I could call my best friends that I've known for 10 or 20 years each. I'm an only child, but I have cousins who I consider like my siblings. And so there's a lot of people that I could go to for support. But I never felt like any person... You know, there was like, if I wanted to talk about this one thing, I'd talk to this person. If I wanted to talk about this other kind of thing, I'd talk to this person. If I wanted to talk about this other kind of thing, I'd talk to this person. Because I didn't feel like there was anyone that really understood me. And I would say, you know, like in conversations with people, like, you don't get it. You don't know me. Like, I'm different than you. You could never possibly understand what I'm going through. You could never possibly give me the right advice because we're in different situations. And I really felt like that was only true for me for some reason. I didn't feel like anyone else could possibly have that struggle in life. But the bottom line is we are all different human beings. We all have probably thought that at some point in our life. Like, no one really gets it. You know, the best that I can do to articulate what I'm feeling and thinking and going through, it's not enough. It doesn't really paint the correct whole picture for someone to be able to speak into my life in the way that I needed it. So I was feeling kind of lonely and kind of like isolated and like no one knows me, no one gets it, whatever. So then I came upon Psalm 139 and that was like really kind of like a salve or like a balm for my soul because the whole purpose of this psalm is how well God in fact knows us and it just lists all of the different ways that God made us, he knows us, wherever we go he's with us and it was so comforting to me because the cry of my heart was I don't know, no one gets it, who do I go to? And when I found this passage, it was like, I felt like it was written just for me. And I have a pretty self-centered perspective. I think some of us do because we're humans and we're selfish, but I'm also an only child. So the world revolves a lot right around me right here. <laughs> I'm pretty comfortable with that. So uh, whatever, take, I can take all your jokes, just don't call, don't call me spoiled. As long as you don't call me spoiled, 
we can still be friends, but when I read this, I was just like, wow, God, like, this is it. Like, this is what I've been looking for. Like, you wrote this for me. I really, I read the word me and my is in there so much, and that is what I, like, I was soaking it up. I was like, yes, me, my, yes, this is it. But then, like, as I've read it longer and longer in my life, I see more it's you, God, him, Lord, because it's not about us. I mean, it is about us, but it's about his love for us. And so when I was younger, he was gracious to me and letting me think that, you know, everything was about me. And it is in his eyes, like he created us and he loves us all so much that it is all about us, but it's also all about you. So as much as this passage was written for me and I felt like received for me specifically, it can be for all of you if, if that's what you need from the Lord this morning. So open to Psalm 139. I want to read it through for you. And this is written by David. It says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. So let's just stop right there for a second. I'm not going to stop every verse, I promise. But I was saying, you know, no one gets it. No one knows me. No one understands. Literally, the first verse says, you know everything about me. <laughs> like, that's a pretty broad statement. Everything is a big word. And there are people that know a lot of things about us. There are a lot of friends that I had that knew a lot about me. But it says, God, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. And that's, that's a little scary if we're being honest with ourselves, right? Because we can paint a picture of who we are to the world at large, but we can't paint that picture of who we are to God. Okay, so let's just keep reading. Verse 2, you know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything that I do, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, you go before me and you follow me, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. O oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. O oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So those last two verses, 23 and 24, are what I'm going to call my life verse today. just want to repeat them one more time for you. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So that's kind of scary if you aren't wanting to be fully known to pray that prayer. Um, And I think when I was reading through the whole chapter, I was surprised that those really were the two verses that I kind of clung to the most because the beginning is all about how much God loves us, he's with us, he blesses us, he follows us, he's everywhere. And that's all true, but it kind of all leads up to 23 and 24. Because he's always with us, because he knows us, because he blesses us, because he loves us, we can say to him without fear, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This psalm was written by David, and let's just take a second and think about who David was. So sure, in the Bible it says he was a man after God's heart. Okay, that's great. But he also committed adultery, and he helped murder someone, the husband of the person he committed adultery with. So I think all of us lie somewhere on the spectrum of being someone after God's own heart and being an adulterer or murderer. You know, that's a pretty broad spectrum. So I don't know where you might fall. Like Pastor Merrill is probably really close to the, you know, man after God's own heart part. And like I might be a little bit farther down on the other end of the spectrum. Um, But the point is, I really think that as humans, our heart's cry and our heart's desire is to be known as who we are and to still be accepted. It's, uh, it's not just enough to be known because that's the scary part. When you're exposing your whole self, you're giving the opportunity for someone to judge you or for someone to reject you. And I think the thing that we all want that really only God can give us is to expose our whole heart to him and he accepts us for what we are without the rejection, without the condemnation. Um, there's a teacher that we saw a year ago at a conference named Brené Brown, and she taught that basically all humans are looking for love and belonging in their life. And I think that, you know, when we heard that, that just rang so true because we strive so much. That's what we do in our daily lives. We're doing things to present a particular image to society, to our bosses, to our friends, to our family. Like, we have it together. We got this. We know what we're doing. You know, we look nice and we aren't stressed and we aren't having money problems and you know you guys have probably heard of a little thing called Facebook we use that to paint a picture of who we are to our friends and our family because we only usually post the good things on Facebook you know like when we went to Costa Rica I was posting pictures of the waterfalls and the hotels I wasn't posting pictures of like the thousand bug bites that I got and the bee sting that I got which made my legs swell up and it still itches to this day and it's been like a week because no one wants to see that. They want to see the good things. But when we only see the good things in someone's life, we're very hard on ourselves because we think, well, hey, my life's not as good as that person's life, which then becomes, I'm not as good as that person. And there are studies that show that the more you spend time on Facebook, the less happy and less satisfied you become. At its core, it's a good thing. It's a way to, you know, network with your friends and family. But if you put too much stock in it, it can be really become a dangerous thing. So that's a side note. But I think that what I, take, <laughs> what I take away from this whole psalm is just what a relief. What a relief that we serve a God that we can go to <clears throat> and expose our true selves. We might not even know our true selves because we spend so much time trying to be a different version of ourselves than we truly are. And that's kind of all in vain because at the end of the day, we are who we are, whether we like it or not. And God loves us that way because he made us that way. I have a few points that I just want to bring out so you can get your notes out. 
Um, point number one, God created you to be you. There's no point in trying to be somebody else because he made you to be you. That's a good thing. You know, there's the, the thing that I was feeling like no one possibly could understand me. No one gets it. No one, no one is exactly like me. That's true, and that's not bad. I was making that out to be like that was like the worst thing in the world, that like there was no one that could possibly understand what I was going through. That's true for me as it's true for all of you, but that's not a bad thing because in those moments, we're created to go to our creator who made us and knows everything about us. We're not created to be satisfied by a human relationship. Human relationships are a great thing, and they can definitely fulfill different parts of our life, but they can't fulfill every single thing that our spirit needs. So I just want to reread Psalm 139, 13 through 16. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So, you know, when I read that, I think like, okay, this guy, this God guy, he really, he made me this way, so it can't be all that bad. He knows what he's doing. And I think it's a good journey for all of us to go on individually, no matter if you're 10 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old. I don't know that we fully know ourselves and who God created us to be. I think that that's a lifelong process that we all go through because we live in a culture that we're constantly, daily, picking up pieces of other people, and that's not really who we are. So we need to go through a daily process of shedding that and going to the Lord and saying, God, search me, know me. Who did you create me to be? Because it's good. There's a quote from Mark Batterson, who's a pastor in Washington, D.C., who I love, and um, he wrote the book All In that Pastor Daryl did a sermon series on at the beginning of this year. And he has a quote that says, There never has been and never will be anyone exactly like you, but that's not a testament to you. That's a testament to the God who created you. And I think that's a powerful statement because when we try to be like someone else that we might idealize, that's hurting God. That's saying that the person that you created is not good enough, and so I'm going to tweak it a little bit. And that's a dangerous thing to say because he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's your creator. So to say to him, you know, I don't really like this little thing about myself, so I'm just going to ignore it, pretend it's not there, and change it. That's a dangerous thing. So I would encourage you, whatever pieces of yourself that you try to tweak and ignore and change and hide to be accepted, maybe you don't even know that you're doing it, but that's when you say to God, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, point out what offends you in me. That's uh, point number one. So hopefully that you realize we're all different people, and that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Number two, he already knows everything about us, so there's no point in hiding everything. It says in Psalm 139, 1 through 4, O Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. So that's pretty all-encompassing. He knows everything about me, when I sit, when I stand, when I travel, when I'm home, everything I do, everything I say. 
I mean, that's basically our lives, right? So again, that can be a little scary to know God knows what's going on in my head, even the things that I don't say out loud, because the people around us, they judge us by the things that we do let out of our mouths. God knows more than that. He knows the whole picture. And so that can be, again, a little bit scary. But at the same time, he still accepts us as we are. It shouldn't be a scary thing that he knows all of those things about us. It should be an encouraging thing that he knows all of that and still loves us and accepts us, which is point number three. He loves you and accepts you anyway. Psalm 139, 5 and 6, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. If I didn't pick Psalm 139, 23 and 24, I would have picked Psalm 139, 5. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. What a powerful verse because that encompasses all of our life. Whatever good that we experience is a gift from the Lord because he goes before us in our lives and then he's behind us cleaning up whatever mess we've left in our wake, you know, making sure to cover us with his grace. Whatever wrong that we did, it still says he places his hand of blessing on your head. He loves you and accepts you anyways, no matter what he sees in you because you're his creation and he created you to be who you are. Does that mean that we should keep on doing whatever we want when we know we're doing something wrong? Absolutely not. It says in Romans 6, 1 through 4, should we keep on sinning because we know that we're covered by grace? No, of course not, because then you're going to be like a dog returning to its vomit, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's not growth. That's not an adult way to live your life. But the good thing is, again, whatever we do, we don't have to be scared of showing it to God because he already knows, he already loves us, and he already accepts us. My last point is just we have the ability to know Christ because he has already made himself known to us. First John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. We have to get clear that, you know, I think we think that we can just get to know God at our leisure, like when we want to, and it's like, all right, well, God, you know, like, you're kind of over here, and when I'm ready to take time to get to know you, I know that's available but what a kind of cocky attitude to have to the person who created you because the only reason that we have the opportunity to ever get to know him is because he gives us that opportunity. He already knows everything about us and he still loves us and he still accepts us. And because of everything that we read in Psalm 139, because he goes before us and he follows us, because he places his hand of blessing on our heads, because he created us, because he still loves us, all of those things are why we would even want to get to know him, basically. Like, why would we want to get to know a God who is going to judge us for who we are if it's who he created us to be? Why would we want to get to know a God who is going to be harsh with us and make us want to cover up our sins? It's our natural inclination as humans to give the best version of ourselves to people. And that's, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's part of the culture. I'm not saying you should walk around to the world at large and be like, well, this is who, like, just spill out all the bad parts of yourself to people because you need to have, like, functional relationships and jobs and things like that. But with the Lord, you're allowed to just spill out everything. So, again, Psalm 139, 23 to 24, search me, O God, know my heart, 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting life. That goes from being a terrifying verse, like maybe the first couple times you read it, to being like the most awesome possible thing to want to do ever. Because I think, again, at our core, all of us as humans want to be able to have a relationship where we can just show everything, all parts of ourselves, and know that we're still loved and accepted. And I think that just saying to the Lord, you know, the things that we don't even know are issues, he's so gentle with us and he's so gracious to us um, that we can go to our good, gracious, loving God and say, God, search me, know me, point out anything in me that offends you. Like that is very broad because I'm sure there are a zillion things that we all do every day that offend the Lord, from what we're watching on TV, to the music that we listen to, to the way we treat a cashier, to getting impatient in line. I personally get road rage all the time. I drive like a Costa Rican. I fit right in down there. I cut people off. I don't like breaking. It is what it is. So all of those things that we don't have a problem with, they, like, they are, they're, they're coming out of attitudes of our heart, you know, like when I get mad in traffic and have road rage and cut people off, it's saying, I'm better than you, I need to get where I'm going, and I don't care what you're doing. That's, that's what it's saying, basically, again, only child right here. So it is what it is, but there are things that we don't identify as problems in our life that we need to lay before the throne of God and say, God, search me, know me, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And we can pray that prayer with confidence because we know that he's a good God and he loves us because he created us. And he's going to gently show us the things in our life that we need to work on and alter to go on the path towards everlasting life. So just in closing this morning, I want us all to pray that prayer together. I hope that it's a prayer that you can adopt into your life. I don't want it to become something that you pray without thinking because it's a bold thing to pray. Point out anything in me that offends you. So I would really reserve it to pray when you mean it, because when God starts pointing out things in your life to change, you're going to have to deal with it. You can't just sweep it back under the rug. The whole point is not to sweep it under the rug, right? The point is to deal with it. So Lord, we come before you this morning just thankful for your presence, Lord, and thankful for your grace, God. We pray this morning, Lord, search us and know our hearts. Test us, know our anxious thoughts, point out anything in us that offends you, and lead us on the path of everlasting life. Amen. What a, what a great word from the Lord for all of us this morning. Sorry, Jen, we're going to steal that one and uh, take it for ourselves. Um, I hope that that just found a good ground in your heart and in your life, and that that's something that, that, that you can meditate on and, and chew on this week, and I know it's going to pro- just provide great fruit for your life. Uh, today, we have something very special. We're going to receive the blessing of the Lord in just a moment, but something very special today. We'll do this once in a while. Today, we're going to serve ice cream in the lobby. So immediately following the service, uh, we're going to go out to the lobby, and there's going to be ice cream bars and different things out there. That's for everyone. And the reason we're doing that is because we're starting our ministry fair this week, and there's over 20 different ministries in the lobby. Now, some are things that you would volunteer for, other things that things you just sign up for, being a part of a small group or connecting with different people in different ways. But I'd love for you just to take time to walk around to all the different spots. And, and if you'd like to be a part of something, just give your name and your email address and your phone number, and uh, they'll get in touch with you. But there's a lot of great things coming up, 
and a lot of things that you can be involved in this fall and in the, into the new year. So we do this every uh, August out in the lobby. So uh, while you're having your ice cream cone, go ahead and walk around. And also fellowship with one another as well. And if we've never met, I would love to meet you this morning. I'll be out in the lobby. Just come up and introduce yourself to me. Or maybe we haven't connected for a few weeks or a few months. I'd love to say hi. So um, I'll be out there as well. And so uh, we'd love to connect and then connect with some other people as well. It's going to be